So, we finished John 6, didn't we? Yeah. That's amazing. That's a long chapter. <laughs> uh, never would have expected it. So, we're ready for John 7. Christian, why don't we start with you, and why don't you read verses 1 to 10. And after these things, Jesus was walking in Galilee, for he was unwilling to walk in Judea because the Jews were seeking to kill him. Now the feast of the Jews, the feast of tabernacles, was at hand. His brothers therefore said to him, Depart from here and go into Judea, that your disciples also may behold your works which you are doing. For no one does anything in secret when he himself seeks to be known publicly. If you do these things, show yourself to the world. For not even his brothers were believing in him. Jesus therefore said to them, My time is not yet at hand, but your time is always opportune. The world cannot hate you, but it hates me because I testify of it, that its deeds are evil. Go up to the feast yourselves. I do not go up to this feast because my time has not yet fully come. And having said these things to them, he stayed in Galilee. But when his brothers had gone up to the feast, then he himself also went up, not publicly, but as it were, in secret. This is uh, amazing. Talk about hardship. The context of this is just everyone wanting to kill Jesus. And Jesus knows it and faces it head on. Why they're doing this? Because I testify that the world's works are easy. And here he's referring to the Jewish nation, the church, as the world. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. <laughs> the Holy Spirit brought us here this week. <laughs> <laughs> Something hit me as, as Christian was reading this. The tea, Feast of Tabernacles, or booths, occurred right after the Day of Atonement. <clears throat> it was a feast of harvest, in a sense. A time when they celebrated the harvest and coming in. A day of Atonement. It struck me yesterday... I, I say I don't want to focus on this, but I unfortunately I do more than I should. But it struck me yesterday that never before in our history, nationally and ecclesiastically, have we seen such polarization. And not just polarization, but a fixation. You can't reason with the other side. If, if you meet someone who's, who disagrees with you, you cannot reason with them. And they probably feel the same way about us. They can't reason with us. Their way of reasoning to us feels like hitting us over the head with this statement or that statement or this key text or that key text. But the, but the point is that we're all, it's like we're fixed. And isn't that what God has been waiting for? You know, in, in trying trying to understand how other, the other parties would feel, these these um, divisions that are aligned against this initiative, you know, they're used to being beat up by the West on issues of socioeconomic status, you know what I mean, and, 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 and mm -hmm. power and influence in the world. And so now the church is growing faster in those venues than in our part of the world. And I think yeah. I think to some extent, and I, I'm trying to understand, not, not to agree, right. you know, I can, I can understand why, why this is like, no, we're tired of being pushed around by you. 
So we're going to push you around. Right, right. We so taught them well, didn't we? Yeah, yeah. We taught them how yeah, to how to use power. power. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Uh, yeah, what comes around goes around, and we're getting what we sowed. Yeah, yeah, I think, I think uh, so, to be fair. I yeah, think yeah. So. yeah, oh, definitely. Mm-hmm. Oh, definitely. And, and the problem is with power is that uh, it doesn't stay the same. Mm-hmm. It changes from time period to time period, and, mm-hmm. and what comes around does go around. And so uh, the, in the middle of all that, Roiling. What is supposed to happen is that we, we get our eyes opened. Power just isn't it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But the, the the thing I'm thinking is that if you take this as typological, the investigative judgment mm-hmm. is the time when we become fixed, settled, one way or another, settled into the truth so that we can't be moved. And once that happens, then there is a whole whole world out there that hasn't settled into the truth, that hasn't made up their minds for or against it. But once we have settled in, or settled into our opposition to the truth, once that's fixed, then the harvest. Because what happens when the fixing takes place is that we see things more clearly. We see what we want. We finally choose what we really want in our inmost souls. Because I, I've thought about this so many times. You know, you, you can't convince a person to be saved. You can't convince a person to be loved. You can't convince a person to, to believe the way you do. Ultimately, you would, you would love to think that people are open and honest and good-hearted, and they sit down with their Bibles, and they say, I'm going to study this out, and I'm going to look for the weight of evidence, and I'm going to use my reasoning, and I'm going to pray f- prayerfully ask God to guide me. You would love to think that people would do that. That's not how it happens. It, it's more like we pick what we really want most, what we're attracted to. I've always felt churches, groups, you pick your theology to fit your belief system. <laughs> and often it's your cultural or your other belief system. But, you know, that's what Jesus, that, that John 6, to me, is just one of the most incredible passages. I always felt that way about it. Because he finally he tries to do the metaphor with the loaves, you know. Because they were taught when the Messiah comes to bring bread from heaven. And he said, and then he, he goes a couple steps forward, and finally he just kind of gives up and, and just lays it out that the focus is really the intimate relationship with God. Eat my flesh, drink my blood. If, if you, if you and eat, he, he, and, and it's, it's not the flesh, it's the words that yeah. I speak that are like. Right, and he's, and he's totally politically assassinated himself. Mm-hmm. And here they're going to kill him. Mm-hmm. You can't even go there because they're so mad, mm-hmm. and they're just so determined, and, and it was... He, what, he did it anyway. You know, you know this is, the background to this is, uh, I was just reading this yesterday with uh, a student that I study, a former student that I study with on Friday evenings. Uh, we do Skype together. And we were looking at uh, 1 Corinthians 1, mm-hmm. where Paul says mm-hmm. that the cross to the Jews, the Jews want a sign, and the Greeks want wisdom. The cross is foolishness. Uh, the Jews are always wanting a sign. That John 6 is the sign. Uh, that you, see, you want symbols, you want signs, this is the sign. Unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you have no life in you. That's the sign. 
and and he grosses them out quite deliberately because their their wanting signs had become so a dishonest way of avoiding the truth behind the signs. They no longer cared about what the signs meant. They cared more about the form. And, and you think about that in terms of how we read Revelation. We're more interested in the signs than what they mean theologically. And, and that, that, there's no intimacy in that. There's only a formalism, only a, uh, a facade of religiosity. So... I mean, the thing is, and the meaning is right in the title, the revelation of Jesus Christ. It's not about all this crazy stuff going on at the end of time that we don't have our hands fully wrapped about. It's about to revealing me, Christ's character. To me, it's to me, and to me, all that, those signs and, and all of that are so simple. Mm-hmm. You have a beast backed by a dragon, and you have a lamb backed by a lion. And you can either become like the beast, or you can become like the lamb. And that's the choice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's the choice. It, it, the choice is in Michael, who is like God, versus the beast, who is like the beast and who can fight against it. Power, meaningless. Well, you know, and the thing that's sad is, I, um, there's, I, I know that so, the people that won't be in heaven, God loves them just as much as the people that will Absolutely. be there. And they just wouldn't be happy there. And, and I know when, particularly my daughter, when she was going through a tough time and into the cult and, and into um, all kinds of drugs, everything imaginable. And I knew she had a whole phalanx of angels somehow pr- still protecting her because she should have been dead. But I, you know, I, I, I was grieving so hard because I was like, you know, if I were losing another child due to an accident or cancer or something like that, I knew at least their heart was kind of pointed in the right direction. But this was a child that was so far away that I knew that she would ne- could never be happy in heaven. And so I said, Lord, like, please, like, continue to be patient with her, and, you know, until she'd come around. And then she, she got pregnant and had a wedlock, and, like, she did, like, a 180. And, like, I mean, you know, and she still has her struggles, but she but she at least is, is pointed in the right direction. And, and it took, like, being a mom to kind of do that for her. So I'm, I'm so thankful to God because now if something were to happen to her, I feel like at least, you know, we're all redeemed by God's grace anyway, that at least her life is pointed in the right, in the, in the right direction. Uh, it just God's grace... I went to my 50th reunion. I taught high school there for eight years. Mm-hmm. So the kids said, "You got to come over to our." So my 35 year, the 35 year and the 40 year, <laughs> and some of these kids were, you know, a thousand miles away, going away from God, and to see what He can take and do. You know, he said, hot or cold, some of the most cold ones <laughs> are the ones that. And they were so excited to say, Doug, you won't believe what I'm doing, you know. And they're telling me, and I just, I just, I can't believe this. Because I haven't seen these kids for, you know, like 35, 40 years. Yeah. And, uh, but God's Spirit is so powerful. Amen. Yeah. So powerful to change hearts. Yeah. So, my daughter went from selling crystal meth to being a social worker. She didn't finish college. She didn't really start college. You know, helping people find jobs and, yeah. and, and get, you know, it's, it, that's because God's good. That's because yeah. God's good. He is good. He is good. Christian? Um, something that I really liked in verse 6 uh, that was particularly relevant was that um, Jesus says that my time is not yet at hand, but your time is always opportune. So it's kind of like, yeah, no, what, we, what, right. we, what we were discussing before, like, in all this trouble and all this, yeah. like, distress is happening, and Jesus says that mission, oh. like, your time. Your time is always right. Your time yeah. to work on. Yeah, what is Jesus saying when my time, what, is, what time is he talking about? It hasn't come to die. It's time to die. Yeah. 
That's his purpose. The mission is fulfilled by dying. I wonder when he was a little boy, at what point he became aware of that. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, and, and as a human, you know, you, you would struggle with that, you know. And, um, but, like, I wonder, you know, how, how, how at peace he was. I mean, we'll ask him one day. But I'd, I'd love for him. Well, don't you suppose that when he went to Passover at age 12, which was when he, he probably he did uh, yeah. bar mitzvah. Yeah, right, right. He became a bar mitzvah, yeah. son of the law. Yeah. Um, don't you suppose he really had an epiphany? I, I think so, yeah. I, I, I certainly think so. It's when it all came together and he realized his mission. And that must have been awesome. I mean, imagine you're 12, and this doesn't happen for 21 years. Right, right. And, you know, Mary knew who he was, and I think of her teaching of this young child. He was a Messiah and her understanding of Scripture, and we wonder how it must have been. I don't think she had death in her views, though, from just the, the way the story turns. That. that would be very hard for a mother. Very hard. I think, because Simeon said to her, you know, the sword will pierce your own soul. She must have, and she, it says she pondered those things in her heart. She wondered about them. She, she probably couldn't quite get there. I know mother can. She died in her motherhood. Yeah. You know? Because yeah. he wasn't his world, but he was a mama. She, she delivered him. Our time is up. Um, we we uh, made up for last time making so much progress, but <laughs> but I do think I do think that we need to to uh, apply scripture to our situation that we find ourselves in. So it's good to talk about these things. Talk about these things. I have one, just one question. I think it's sometimes like being from South America. I know that the woman in my time it didn't work. No, now the woman is starting to work. So it's the machismo country, Africa is worse, Indian is worse. So I think we are not educated about because we they shot us with some verse in the Bible and you just shut up, like a brainwashed. So I think a lot of people they don't know what they're talking about. And how how do we get them? If they ask me, I don't know what to say. Say too. If the problem is that in, when you're dealing with Africa, for example, you're dealing with uh, the the they're being they're used to being controlled by the top person, the tribal chief, or by whoever, or by the West, or by the West. They're used to being controlled, and the fear factor is huge in that kind of power dynamic. So how do you get past the fear to be able to engage the frontal lobes? Because you know what fear does. It yeah. constricts the frontal lobes. Something has to happen. I think, I think our brightest days are yet ahead. I think they may be subtle. I don't think they will be clear-cut and dramatic. Um, I think they will be something we could never orchestrate or dream of controlling or even manufacturing. I think the Spirit is going to lead a people, and it's not going to be a visible people. It's not going to be an organized people from without, from by superstructures, by, right, right, right. by uh, dogma, by, by 
organizations. I think it's going to be a people mobilized by the Spirit with their eyes on Jesus and their appreciation of the truth about God. But and, and they're they're gonna they're gonna move forward. Mm-hmm. You know, we're told there that, uh, and and it's not gonna be something that the world can even tell what's happening because it's gonna it's gonna their point of contact will be one person here and another person there, and and you think of how the disciples worked for Jesus uh, after the Jews uh, crucified him. It wasn't to to the Jewish perception. They have things were happening in Jerusalem that were kind of rocking the boat. Peter was healing people and 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 all of that, but. They couldn't keep up with the flow of where the Holy Spirit was going. And I think that's the way it's going to be. It comes down to individual wholehearted spirituality. Wholehearted. Yeah. And, and some of them may not even know Jesus' name, but, they, but they're being led by the Spirit because they're, they're pointed towards God and they're, what's been revealed to them. So like we're told that in Jeremiah 29, 13, if you, if you search for me for, with your whole heart, you will find me. Mm-hmm. You know, that's a beautiful promise. Yeah. Okay. Gracious Father, we thank you for inspiring us anew with your word and with conversation. We thank you that you have helped us to get our eyes on you and on our mission for you. We know that we are incapable of carrying this mission out of ourselves. But we have, you have said, all power is given me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And, lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. We claim that promise, which is also our commission. And we ask for a wholehearted dedication to it and to a focus of you and your ways and of spreading your message to the world. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Amen.